All right, it's episode five. <gasps> and what are we talking about today, Gloria? Well, and now it's actually getting pretty warm out, yeah. and we see a lot of new sunscreen launches. So it is time for a sunscreen refresher and looking at new launches, too. Oh, yeah. But first, my name is Victoria. And I'm Gloria. <laughs> 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 and this is the Chemist Confessions podcast, a human conversation on all the skincare science we love to talk about. And uh, I think there's a very honest question we got about just the podcast that we probably should address first, right, Gloria? Yep, we got this. So I guess we're jumping right into the brand update. Yeah. We got this in the email, and Abigail wrote in an email to us question about the pod. What do you mean when you say a human conversation? <laughs> Aren't all conversations between people human? I'm always so perplexed when you say it. And we do. Actually, that's the one thing we consistently say every time. Yeah. <laughs> do you mean uh, it's a candid conversation or honest? Is human just a phrase I'm not familiar with? That is a great question, Abigail. You're absolutely right. We should clarify. Uh, we both are humans. This is a conversation between two humans, so literally, yes. And uh, when we say human, I think we always meant science can sometimes feel almost sterile. sterile, yeah. Robotic, you know, and honestly, it is. It's supposed to be uh, a very rigorous experiment. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't quite capture realistic perspective on skincare. Um, that's why we say human. Yeah. Um, so, hi, Abigail. I'm <laughs> I, I wrote back, uh, I wrote her back. And in my response, I said, to me, it's, it is leaning closer to candid. Yeah. And exactly as Victoria said, it's sometimes when we write on Instagram mm -hmm. and we talk about the science, and Instagram can only capture so much, mm -hmm. that our writing has become a little buttoned up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't, we want to portray things correctly. And of course, there's nuances and things, um, things on both sides. So a lot of times we just, we, don't talk about our personal taste, our opinions, or, you know, making random jokes about Istra's elbows in <laughs> skincare line. And the podcast is our outlet to do just that, yeah. um, where Victoria and I, on top of the science, get into our personal takes and our struggles, you know, and things that we preach better than we execute, you know? So oh, just yeah. keep things very real. Yeah. Honest. I think, like, it's also the fact that a lot of studies are done with very strict regimens mm -hmm. and i think you'll soon realize that us two especially are like the most minimalistic um almost kind of like haphazard with our routines and that's just life and that's the reality of it and we want to share that perspective because yeah it's hard for us to, to stick to the routine. But yes, Abigail, great question. And we should have addressed that earlier. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, we always love to hear uh, from the followers and just general follower musing. So I know we dived right into the content immediately, but we're going to just back up real quick. And uh, Gloria, what are we drinking today? Right. So the other human <laughs> factor of this is uh, we do over a couple of drinks. Yes. So today we made our own very, 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 very legit cocktail. It's legit. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> we have um, tequila mm. that we picked up in Mexico that I totally mm -hmm. got because it's buy two, get one free. <laughs> With a splash of, is it? Coconut pineapple? Yes, it's Trader Joe's coconut water and yuzu. Ooh. Yeah, and then uh, splashed with some homegrown lemon. 
Yep, delicious. There you go. Definitely worth a try. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> yep. All right, so um, brand update. It's going to be pretty brief today. Oh, my God. Give us the brand update, Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> our products are back in stock. <laughs> it's It's been a long time coming. So we are recording this on March 22nd. Yeah. So by the time this comes out, it's going to be probably a month out because, we, because we're so on top of this, guys. I'm really hoping we don't have anything else that go out of stock in that month. <laughs> I was just but- <laughs> that's exactly why I got quiet. I was like, but as of march 22nd we have everything in the warehouse everything is in stock and and yay <laughs> <laughs> yay us yay. we did it guys it's only been a quarter <laughs> yeah, yeah um thank you all for being so patient but also at the same time the number of people that mm. asked about these out-of-stock SKUs is honestly really exciting to yeah. us. It makes us really happy knowing that, you know, that these are beloved SKUs that's become people's staples. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just to ride that train, we're going to share a little bit of nice words to go along with that. So I think first things first, we'll start off with actually a review about our newest product, double play which we actually haven't featured thing alone <laughs> yeah and the reason why is because um amazingly enough everyone who's tried double play and written a review has been very methodical in the mm-hmm. review writing and a lot of it is like i wanted to give this a month before mm-hmm. i wrote this review and so definitely the trickle was has been a little bit slower with this which is interesting but yeah uh, take it away, Gloria. Also, I want to add oh. that in the history of launches, this is the softest soft launch <laughs> ever because we were so skeezed out by like potential supply chain issues. Softer than a baby kid. Yes. <laughs> and we were, we didn't, so, you know, typical normal brands, when they launch products a month out, they're, you know, sending them out so they have yeah. reviews on Pay launch. Pay PR up the wazoo. Yeah, and we were like, ooh, we are not sure if this is going to come out on time. So we're just going to, it's just going to pop up when it's there so literally it's it started from the ground floor and all these reviews are just from our early adopters and people excited yeah. to try the product and <coughs> also um we had a cohort of yes. our um, hatchery participants that were waiting for this so yeah softest launch ever <laughs> yeah um so this re- review reads title so far so good but too soon to tell I've been using this product for about one month along Baby Steps exfoliation treatment. Nice, I'm, nice layering. <laughs> Sorry. I'm new to all things anti-aging. My skin and uh, feels and looks great, and my typical monthly hormonal breakout was significantly better this round. Yes! Sorry. Double play <laughs> is very gentle with no smelly stuff, and I love that. No smelly stuff. I can't say whether it's improving my fine lines yet, but I understand it takes about 12 weeks of consistent use, question mark. However, I'm happy enough to have... Uh, to to have just placed a second order and I'm excited to see how it goes. Yay! Yay! Thanks! Thanks, Larry! And honestly, I think this is... I, I love what our customers are so in tune with how long take, uh, skincare takes to work, Yes. how they observe the changes in their skin and yes. just subtle ways that, you know, like to look for the right cues. We heart you guys because y'all are realistic with skincare standards. <laughs> yes. And let us know how it goes. Let us know if you have any questions. Yep. And for those of you listening uh, who are interested to 
to try the double play. I want to mention that while Lo didn't experience any um, irritation, he did pair with our baby steps, which is a very gentle exfoliant. So if you're on something that's stronger, still proceed with caution. I myself struggle with retinoids, so I, I can't use double play every night. Mm. Still, I take it three times a week, four times a week max, and that's that's my tolerance level, so f- be sure to like kind of adjust it to your skin's... Um, yeah, your... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly that. And I was actually going to ask you, Laura, um, what about the eye area? Because that can be different per skin type, per person, yeah. You know what's funny? My eye area isn't sensitive. Oh, yeah, good, it's good. I can use on my eye area as often as I use on the rest of my face. Not for bad. me, it's this. Yes. This. Yeah, yeah. Sure. it hates. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. So yeah, and I what I also really liked is giving products a fair chance giving it the full 12 weeks yes that's actually how long it does take to see results in things like wrinkles and hyperpigmentation so love everything about this and we're gonna move on to the next product yep this one is much shorter uh it's for the specialist exfoliation treatment Mm -hmm. um says title love this i use this especially for my t-zone and and it helps a lot with my congested pores and acne too Definitely will repurchase, and I really like the color. It's so pretty. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Um, so I actually picked this review because I want to talk about the color of the specialist. What? We don't want to talk about congested pores and acne? <laughs> it is a thing of the past thanks to the specialist. <laughs> you're right, you're right. We're moving on. Color. <laughs> um, yeah, so we use, when we, when we were formulating our exfoliation yeah. line, we already we decided on the actives and what they will all uh, what each product will have really early. Yeah. So gold standard, glycolic acid, highest level, most aggressive, done. Specialist, mandelic, oily skin, done. Baby steps, you know, gluconolactone, lactic acid, gentle. And then we're like, well, yeah, well, they all look the same. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Might get a little confusing to people. Very true. Um, we definitely don't want people to use a product and only recognize it by what it faintly smells like. So we're like, we should color it. Also, it also helps making sure that people are mixing it thoroughly with whatever they're uh, mixing it for the nightly booster. Um, And it just lets us play with color a Mm -hmm. little bit without without having to think about things like undertone, which would we would definitely ruin. So um, it's definitely it's been really fun for us and. Nowadays, I feel like they do a lot of really cool things with plant extracts now. Yep. Um, because actually, all of the colorants we use, they're not actual colorants. They're plants. So Yeah, that's neat. why they won't stain your skin. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in the specialist, the blue comes from a flower. Flower extract comes in a powder form. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. And with the... And hit, sweet potato. And yep. Yeah, uh, the red comes from sweet potato. And we'll say we've gotten some weird ones too, like co- uh, color powders are just like... The color just... Just yeah. dies on Fades. you. Yeah, yep. for sure. So amazing. Thank you guys. Like we said, no paid app, no paid reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep them coming and we love to read all the nice words. It's good for us because we don't take compliments well, so this is the only way we're gonna get it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Uh now it's time to move on to some news. In the news, all right. um, I think we've had a couple episodes of slow news cycle. Yeah, it's been quite slow. Yeah, but this time I think oh, there's some interesting stuff to talk about. Okay. First things see. first, BASF. Um, mm. You guys might not be familiar with this company. It is a gigantic chemical company. And the key... Ginormous. Yeah. yeah. 
and it, it supplies it makes a lot of the raw materials you find in skincare mm-hmm. so anything from surfactants to oils they've mm-hmm. got you right so BASF and partner are planning to develop customized sun care products for people with albinism um, which actually is great because they are definitely uh, it is definitely a skin type that is incredibly sensitive to sun exposure too too much sun exposure um so yeah yeah i think it's really great um bsf is a company that makes a lot of sun filters Mm -hmm. there are they have a whole whole portfolio of zinc oxide and you guys think zinc oxide just zinc oxide why is there a whole portfolio (laughs) ah preview to the meat Um, I think it's really great for even not uh, BASF is more of a B2B type of company. Mm -hmm. It's awesome that even um, companies like that, they uh, take on initiatives like this and, you know, who they are the experts in some of these sun filters. So I think it's a great partnership. Yep, for sure. So that'll be exciting to see. And ultimately, we see this as, you know, just going to lead to better formulation all around just because um, this group of people they leave, they live in an area that has to deal with extremely high solar uh, uv strength and so yeah all in all it's all good things so yeah all right next uh i don't know if any of you guys watch shark tank but there has definitely been a lot of beauty brands that have mm-hmm. seemingly been on Shark Tank, so we're just going to address a couple of those. Yeah, so Victoria and I had the pleasure of attending uh, Target's Acceler- uh, Accelerator, wow, right before COVID slapped us all upside the head and changed our lives forever. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was mid-accelerator program, mm-hmm. and then basically half the program had to be from home which was quite sad yeah yeah but we met a lot of great entrepreneurs there um, a lot of people doing cool things and two of the companies we met there actually went on shark tank yay Yay. guys so a big shout out to range beauty and young king hair care who uh, were in our cohort of target accelerator brands and their founders are amazing yeah um, Young King happens to be a line of hair care that's specifically geared towards um, young boys. Um, and the uh, Range Beauty uh, is basically looking at foundation and shades, uh, particularly for people of color. Um, and the founders are honestly just beautiful people. And uh, we had a great time getting to meet like-minded founders Mm -hmm. um that just want to do better and uh yeah all in all it was we're just really happy to see everyone grow yeah so check out their episodes or check out their products Mm -hmm. and links yeah here here. all right cool next next Uh, is a piece of news we got a recall yeah all right i think this is the first recall of the year i feel like first big one that came on our radar yeah I want to say I never want to look so joyful in a recall. And this is... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> no, this is not a knock on the brand. So, uh, <laughs> Jurgens, uh, their parent company is actually Kao, which is uh, a, the mother companies in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, they recently had to issue a big recall on their moisturizers, mm. citing potential... Um, contamination with bacteria. Mm. Mm. Now, this kind of stuff happens, and it yes. can happen to anyone. Yes. Um, 
So it's not knock to the brand jargon. It doesn't mean their products that are still on shelf aren't safe. You know, it just you know these things come up when you do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. Um, it make me it make me <laughs> a little bit joyful because I'm like, this is why you preserve your products, children. Like this, yeah. these things happen. And yeah. jargons obviously use um, preservatives, but um, in production and manufacturing, these things still happen. Yeah, I think um, it's so commonly overlooked Mm -hmm. um and people don't realize that with every type of formula requires different uh preservative strategies um some are incredibly hard to preserve also there are certain formulas that hate the preservatives that it needs to that you need to use so it's actually quite a big challenge for chemists and it's Mm -hmm. quite annoying um in terms of you know uh the, the issue with preservatives is you want to find the right balance, right? Some preservatives actually, they at high enough levels can get can cause irritation. Yep. So finding that sweet spot while not growing anything else that you don't want in it, I think, yeah, you're right. It is a really great reminder of how important this component is. Yeah, uh, and fun fact, uh, this might be a segment of chemist care, though you might not. <laughs> 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 but this is about us. But this is about us. So you're going to listen. <laughs> um, every chemist's rite of passage is probably a paraben replacement project of some mm. sort. Um, we're not going to get into how parabens got put under the buzz and has... Ran over, steamrolled, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, basically pushed out, into, pushed out of existence. Yeah. Yep. So there are plenty of formulas out there that, that had parabens before. Mm. And... Um, and the and chemists are tasked with replacing the parabens with a new preservative system. It sounds like a no-brainer. You take out a paraben, you put in the new preservatives. Cool, right? No, it changes everything. <laughs> some some are relatively easy, but then there yeah. are products where you change it, and you're like, why does it feel gross now? Yes, yes. Also, why are you separating on me? <laughs> so these things happen. So. Yeah chemist care <laughs> yeah chemist care and also like i i think the other thing that's really annoying is like people think of it as oh it's one-to-one it's mm-hmm. so straightforward mm-hmm. and some people deal with that kind of project for a couple years just because it's, it's so infuriating <laughs> yeah and and what's even worse is um i would say preservative replacement and then like any sort of raw material replacement of an existing formula, those are probably the most challenging. Mm -hmm. And then starting from scratch, you know? So I, yeah, just, oh, uh, chemist rant. If you didn't know you were signing up for this, this is now the chemist rant. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, One more thing to rant about. Another skincare personalization skincare. Yes. So I saw this and I was like, damn, I just ranted about this last episode. (laughs) Um, But yes, there is a new personalized skincare on the horizon. Mm -hmm. This is called the Skin Trust Club. It's a mobile Mm -hmm. app that comes with a testing kit. Mm -hmm. So this is yet another microbiome test kit. Users will buy the test kit and it works concurrently with the app. Mm. and it's synced with the QR code they've thought of everything <laughs> they use uh, they use a cheek to swap which is different than Elsa Youngman's which I did um, it's that one swaps skin directly um, and you send it back they'll analyze it and with the app they will update you with they call brand agnostic personalized product recommendations which I do find that concept interesting mm-hmm. right which 
to me they're not incentivized yeah they're not incentivized and it makes a little bit more sense because at the end of the day i don't think any one brand can produce and carry enough products that's so tailored to like the diversity of skin types out there but we'll see we'll see how it goes i'm still skeptical (laughs) (laughs) i just i i think this quote didn't resonate with me very well um they i think from the company they say the industry is realizing that with skin trust club the holy grail Mm. of personalized beauty and skincare is here i'm like Big claim. That's ballsy. Like, I do you know what holy grail means? <laughs> um, yeah, but like we said, usually the challenge comes from they can give you all this data, but it's really about an execution, what that means. And we honestly have never tried it. We don't know the product offering. We don't know how they're linking the data to ingredients and formulas. So I guess there's probably going to be more to come yeah we will keep our keep an eye out for this Uh, honestly today i i think microbiome in general or like microbiome care is a field that we are very excited about Mm -hmm. there's a lot of potential there's a lot of real science yeah just i just feel like any testing kit execution especially with these bold claims i'm like yeah we'll see (laughs) yeah exactly um all right so that's really it for the news uh we are going to jump into the meat um and it's all about sunscreens review probably a lot of this is going to sound familiar um and that's good that's great um but ultimately uh we'll just run through a review of what you should keep in mind and then what that means in practice when Mm -hmm. you shop for sunscreens and what to look for in some of these new launches we're going to look at um so first things first, uh, how do we organize the sunscreen category? Uh, we just simply separate it from chemical sunscreen filters and mineral. And yeah. Yeah. And the easiest way to remember is there's only two minerals on screen. zinc <laughs> oxide and titanium yeah. dioxide. All the rest are chemical. I want to say that I will see in me part two as well. Mm-hmm. There are a lot more products now that blend the two. Yes, that's a good point. And... If you're wondering why they're called chemical, it's honestly all things are chemicals. Water is a chemical, um, and they really just think of it as uh, how do we say? It's more of like the fluids, um, and yeah. Anyway, so don't let that deter you from giving chemical sunscreens a chance. And just FYI, chemical sunscreen is also called organic sunscreen. Yes. Sometimes you'll hear say organic and inorganic, and I guess because organic has in this sense, it literally carbons. means yeah, organic has, <laughs> it has carbons in it. Yeah, and I guess it gets a little confusing with consumer associating with like organic food. So then they start using chemical versus mineral a little bit more often. But yes, Ooh. all right. Anyway, so bring it back. Titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, two that you need to we're, remember. Yeah. All the rest are chemical. Thank you, Gloria. And we're gonna try to keep this as concise as possible. If you want deep dives, definitely check out our blog also check out our book which is even more in depth um, mm-hmm. that would be the easiest way we're just going to focus on quick takeaways um so the other thing we want to remind you guys is you should always follow the standard two-hour rule when it comes to sunscreen application this is because of how sunscreens are typically tested to get their values um to make sure they have the right level of protection it always follows this two-hour rule and therefore 
that's why we highly recommend to please stick to that especially if you're going to be outdoors um and the other question you might have that comes or i guess the other general question you might have with sunscreen is do you really have to wait 15 minutes before going out and doing your activity um it's a little bit loose Mm -hmm. um that 15 minutes wasn't like a real technical thing that was Mm -hmm. like studied obviously the drying time of a formula can change um but that's a general guideline sometimes i we'd rather you do your best to apply it and then go out if you can then like oh i don't have 15 minutes to like wait and then go out um and the main thing that they want to happen when you apply sunscreen is that you are able to create that like even film and that it can set up nicely and that's why they would like a little bit of time to allow the formula to absorb and set on skin yeah i was gonna say that the rule of thumb with sunscreen whenever you think about it instead of going to like these nitty gritty like very very specific guidelines it's allergy season i'm sorry guys (laughs) Um, but uh, it's always going back to how thinking about the film. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, sunscreen work by having an even, well-distributed film on your mm-hmm. skin. So when you think about things like sweating, being outside, mechanical damage, and waiting time, all these rules, at the end of the day, it filters down to how do you create an even, well-established film and not damage it. Yes, very good point. Um, all right, so those are some general questions. Let's get into the claims because at the end of the day you might be wondering oh like should we be decoding that il Mm. and sunscreens is the one scenario where we'd rather you decode that claim Mm -hmm. more than decode that il yeah it's um sunscreen label looks different than regular cosmetic labels because it's an otc product yeah so you'll see a little otc label and they'll call out the percentage and which sun filters they use Mm -hmm. already for you but when you get to the other inactive ingredients, it's it's wild. And honestly, if you're not a chemist, you're, it's hard for you to pull out anything specific that you should be looking for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why we say go straight to the claims. And all these claims has, have to be tested. Yeah. So first things first, we got to address SPF. And SPF is a value of UVB mm-hmm. only. Um, the idea is it's it's sun protection factor. Um, the idea is it's calculating the amount of UV protection that it can provide. Um, a lot of times when you read what SPF might mean, they like to say that, oh, it's essentially it's a value of time um, that, oh, you get 30 times the amount of, t- of um, protection in the sun i think i think that actually sums up why um spf value can be confusing because mm-hmm. it's like oh how much longer does it take for your skin to get burned yeah that's why people sometimes are like oh like does that mean it can be in the sun for x number of times longer right um but that's not really how it correlates to like real life actions exactly in fact if you calculate by time that can become very problematic mm-hmm. because for example you think oh this prolongs like I get 30x length of extra time in the sun, but let's say you are out in the sun at 9 a.m. versus you're out in the sun at 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. The strength of the sun is actually completely different and it's just not a very good measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead you wanna think of it as how much protection does that actually provide? And just a quick review, um, you know, the, the strength 
and the protection is not linear. Um, so don't think that if you get SPF 30 versus SPF 15, you're not doubling the amount of protection. Uh, an SPF 15 provides you 93% um, protection versus SPF 30, which is 97, and then SPF 50, which is 98. So it's definitely not a linear scale. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully that gives you an idea of SPF. And for us, we always like to say a general sweet spot is between SPF 30 and 50, um, which sounds kind of low, but for us, um, the idea is that um, you are having to compromise texture for protection. So if you can, we find that this window has the best balance of texture yes, and Yes, exactly. And you'll hear us say this a lot, but texture is king. A good Always. sunscreen is one that you will use the exactly. end. Uh, I, I remember last year, especially, was it last year? It feels like last season. Mm -hmm. We had all these minerals come out because mm -hmm. you have a lot of bad press you can re refer back to our last uh, our sunscreen episode last year we talked about all the sunscreen controversy it's well, the one we're wearing foil hats yes <laughs> <laughs> um but that was when all these brands feel the need to come out with a yeah. mineral only formula yeah. and spf 50 all the jazz and they should they're just so so bad yeah it ain't pretty um so and it also makes um more tan skin like mine look like mimes and i really don't like that <laughs> so yeah all right so that's uvb uh uva yeah uva is less energetic than uvb which means that it's not the ray responsible for sunburns mm -hmm. but it penetrates your skin deeper and in the long term it causes like in a nice way, it might cause some hyperpigmentation, but it really, really causes long-term aging as well. That's, you know, all the sagging, mm -hmm. photo aging, a lot of it is directly associated with UVA. Mm -hmm. um, so what you're looking for here is a word broad spectrum if you're in the States, um, which, is, um, which is a kind of a floofy word. And that just means it has some UVA protection, but it's not rated. Yeah. Like, it's not a numbering system. But thank you to other jurisdictions. I think last year was also when I gave the rant about PA++ versus mm -hmm. different testing. But mm -hmm. anyway, in uh, in Asia, the system is the PA whatever system. Mm -hmm. Which we like much better. Yes, so it's ranked, ranked with plus, 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 blah, blah, blah. Okay. It goes up to four pluses. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of it rates the amount of UVA that it, it protects you from. I like this also because it seems a lot of U.S. brands are now picking it up. Yes, I think um, as people's awareness and education about sunscreen is growing, they understand that people care just as much about UVA protection as UVB, which is great. Um, so that's definitely a good sign. And if you're wondering why the U.S. Um, only has the broad, broad spectrum label, it's because SPF was first came around because the only care they had, which was skin cancer. And that's why, you know, at the end of the day, SPF is an OTC, must be tested, FDA regulated claim. And um, hopefully that gives you an idea of why, you know, that seems to get the preference. Um, mm. But at the same time, yes, we are starting to see more better UVA labeling come around with some of these launches. Yeah, and I was also going to add that maybe their thoughts of improving what broad spectrum means mm -hmm. and or introducing a rank scale like the PA plus system. Um, but we are still waiting for that monograph. At this point, <laughs> it's like waiting for 
the last book of well, Game of Thrones. Probably fifty before yeah. we see any of that come around. I was but a wee child when I graduated college, got into the industry, yep. and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're waiting for the sunscreen monograph." And I'm like, "Oh." I think that was when Obama <laughs> was in his first term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think with um, we're gonna have m- multiple episodes on sunscreens. Um, also, because of all of the controversy around it, um, if you guys hadn't noticed, the drama of the sunscreen study with, you know, finding filters in the bloodstream, there hasn't been a lick of updates recently, um, And but we'll touch on that again in the episodes to come. But yeah, with all that drama, I'm sure the FDA is just swamped. Um, yeah. But yeah. All right. So those are the two uh, main. main claims that you're looking for. Uh, the next thing that we think is very important, especially when you're going to have a beach day, when you're going to go swimming, is water resistance. Um, and that claim is um, definitely follow that timeline of either 40 or 80 minutes that you typically find. Um, but I did want to share a really interesting, super nerdy article that um, that was done. And bless this lab's heart, because these guys worked really hard. Um, The study um, actually looked at creating an in vitro method to mimic uh, sweating skin Mm -hmm. and try to understand how sweating skin impacts sunscreen filters, sunscreen films, and how those hold up. And (laughs) the level of like (laughs) the work that they did to create this model is fascinating. Um, They actually grew this like gelatin substrate from Mm -hmm. porcelain skin. Um, They then layered it with like a PMMA film underneath. Then they glued it to a membrane. They have a water reservoir underneath. So you've got this like essentially like sweating system. Uh They laser drilled holes to mimic the sweat gland. And then basically started doing a bunch of tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tests are really interesting. There's, um, they looked at UV reflectant, reflectance imagery um, just to see how the sunscreen film would hold up. We'll share the pictures here. Um, they took a bunch of pictures before, uh, before sweating, starting to sweat, uh, after sweating for 20 minutes, and then what the film looks like after sweating and it's dried Mm -hmm. um and i will say despite that it's in vitro it it's very evident that sweating definitely plays a very big impact on sunscreen films um what they saw is that even um i'm showing gloria here this picture um if you look at the degradation of the film after sweating and when it dries, it's clearly very significant. Mm-hmm. And um, they even looked at it under uh, what they call CARS microscopy. That's oh my God. coherent anti-Stokes Raymond spectroscopy. So this is like wow. fancy imagery and imaging. And what they did is they wanted to understand if they looked at a single sweat gland, right, uh, of, in their model, and they started to let it sweat. Um, It can actually capture, like, the sunscreen, and I'm showing Gloria here, this haloing is the water pushing the film out. Um, So it's very clear that what is happening is not only is sunscreen being washed off, it's getting displaced and moved again. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is so cool. Super 
someone got paid doing this. <laughs> I know. It's like clearly for science and super amazing. It's awesome that they published this. Um, Question. Uh, was this done with mineral or chemical filters? So I think they looked at chemical. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but uh, they just looked at it in multiple ways. I think they the goal was also trying to show that this is a valid in vitro model. The mm-hmm. difficulty with in vitro, which is um, basically non uh, life subject. Um, this is like things in test tubes and petri dishes. Um, when you do that, it's very hard to uh, correlate that to real life. And mm-hmm. this is like, I think, essentially the first step in trying to validate this as a good method. Mm-hmm. Also because sweat resistant studies are not actually a thing uh, anymore. You can't really do that anymore. And so um, it's just a great way to understand how we can better formulation. Uh, yeah, so I'm showing Gloria here another one where this is like the general film. Uh, you can see the sweat gland and the water starting to come out. Also, the, the water itself for sweat, they did make sure it's like electrolyte. The God, similar that was going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can see the film just like kind of break up by the end as it dried. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, so... What's the takeaway here? The takeaway is just what they did say is that, you know, with higher sweat rates, if you are someone that is prone to sweating, it they suggest that it does have a, a negative impact on your sunscreen film. And on top of that, they just say that they looked at if you apply higher levels of sunscreen, can that help? And they say that actually can. They did see that those with higher UV level protection um, can achieve um, better just general protection all around, although eat despite it degrading. So, anyways, uh, I really feel like that's like highlights how sunscreen is a really weird balance act. Because yes. if you have, if you're sweaty, mm-hmm. or if you are prone to sweating, let's say if you are also prone to oily skin, yeah. it suggests that, oh, maybe you should aim for higher degrees of protection, but those textures tend to be garbage, yeah. and you tend to under-apply, or yeah. you, it, it's just, it's kind of a, just this, <laughs> a yeah. lot balancing. I, I don't want to give too many, like, hard takeaways on this, mm-hmm. because, again, like, it is an in vitro study. It does give me... I guess a lot of optimism that, you know, they are trying to look at um, real life scenarios for sunscreen films. Um, But it does make me want to stick to sunscreen formulas that are kind of in Asia, especially for people that are prone to sweating just because they're used to dealing with such humid conditions. Um, Actually, I do want to add that, like, um, I... The, yes, in Asia, a lot of sunscreens are rated for water resistance, yeah. even if they're not positioned for like sport or anything yeah. like that. I prefer those not because I don't sweat that much in Asia. I do, but <laughs> maybe not here. But um, I like them because they tend mm-hmm. to irritate my eyes less. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they oh, stay put nice. better. So as the day yeah. go on, they the it sunscreen doesn't get yeah it doesn't get in your eye. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is that if you are just known to be a sweater, uh, which I can definitely get like that, especially around the nose area. Mm-hmm. I definitely am the one that's like got the bead. Sweat. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it does not hurt to apply more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. and you don't have to wait the full two hours to reapply if you feel like you're sweaty. You like wipe down your sweat. 
Which actually brings me to a mini content preview. All right, let's do it. We got a new toy. It's like a little, yeah. uh, it's a pad. It's, um, you guys will see it. We are planning on doing a lot of outdoorsy things this summer and yeah. see how sunscreen holds up. Yeah, and the two of us will, it, it's actually our motivation to be active <laughs> in the summer, or mm. at least really mine. <laughs> and um, yeah, hopefully you'll see how these sunscreens hold up over our hour of outdoor activity. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. So that's really, we're going to wrap up all the nerdy talk here. Um, we're going to talk about everything we just reviewed um, in application in part two. But first, let's get into our claims corner um, and take a little mini break. It's claims corner. It's claims corner. All right. Oh, okay. This one's tough. Um, our great friend, Cuties Cura, he sent us. A big one. Um, so man, he knows how to put us to work. He Always. knows. <laughs> I feel like he knows us personally and knows what really rubs us the wrong way. Ah. <laughs> okay, we're not gonna talk about the brand. We're gonna talk about the claim. And so this claim raises a few eyebrows. Um, they write: since other brands aim to reach higher SPF levels, more chemicals are included in these sunscreens that this brand actively aims to avoid. Mm -hmm. Shop our chemical-free sunscreens at the link in our bio. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, immediately, you're like, um... Mr. Elba, I have a question. <laughs> I have a question about the chemical-free claim. Hello? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you're selling less is more. That in a character in a category where it never be uttered, <laughs> you're selling lower SPF because higher SPF is more chemicals, which is bad. You're also selling less work for you as a brand. Like, it's genius. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard this kind of marketing in my life. Yeah. I feel like that's almost like the companies. It's like, you know what? Um, man, I hate paying chemists. I'm just going to put my backyard spring water in a Why? bottle. Why doesn't anyone want to feed us? I don't understand. I, I feel like we do real work. I mean, wow. Seriously. Are, are we just, are, we don't deserve to be paid. No, clearly. <laughs> okay. So, Upon going into this brand, um, I also had to say they have some very concerning diagrams. One of them, um, they talk about their vitamin D promoting technology. Mm -hmm. And they basically will show the two graphs here. And they say how normal sunscreens protect from UVA and UVB. They show the rays bouncing away from the product. As they should. Then they show their sunscreen and UVB penetrating into the skin. You get vitamin D! Woo! And, boy, Mr. more questions. <laughs> yeah, so Victoria <clears throat> did the research on this brand, and she just didn't say much, turned her computer around, showed me the graphics. I'm like, excuse me, what? <laughs> <laughs> Never have I, and I didn't know oh, what they were selling, but the uh, graphics looks so like bad. looks like a UVA only sunscreen. I'm like, well, what the why? Skin cancer. Remember UVB SPF. Skin cancer. Like and burns and the worst. But, 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 but help, 
Hell, yeah. yeah. So, very problematic um, marketing claims. Turns out they really are looking at how to be able to get vitamin D from the sun mm -hmm. while still getting uh, sun's, uh, UV protection. Mm -hmm. um, and while I think the the work is like quite early, the marking is so painful. And I, I find it very hard because the marking, the messaging is so difficult, even for us to like go through and really understand. Um, I would say that I would not trust this at this time. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, <clears throat> they're what they're claiming is their products letting a very specific wavelength yes. of UVB. So it shouldn't be enough to cause you burns and issues mm -hmm. down the road, but it's enough to stimulate vitamin right. D production. Yeah. Which we do get these questions once in a while. It's like, oh, if I'm sunscreening all over, well, I get a vitamin D. Damn it! <laughs> My mic again. <laughs> but um. But to us, we're always like, well, there, yes, that is a concern, but, you know, there are other ways to get vitamin D through your diet, through whatever else. Um, but this is a very interesting concept just in execution. I don't know which regulatory body would ever approve this. and Especially yeah. just the copy. Um, I think it is interesting research yeah. because, as we kind of hinted at, regulation, FDA, regulatory bodies it's already very difficult to there's a lot of red tape um, in this product space and this doesn't really help either um, yeah. but again like we we generally are on the stance of there's other ways to get vitamin D also remember that skin can tolerate um, some level of sun um, and so getting just a little bit of sun that's great it's just if you're going to be out in the sun you know that kind of protection um that's when sunscreen really is important you know so anyways i just i don't know last question what filter system do they use so i believe it is zinc let me double check well that's where i find kind of uh oh actually no this is this is a chemical sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, so well, this is where I find it to be kind of weird because of all these, as chemists, we get really fun diagrams that I'm sure you guys could care less about, which is absorbent spectrums of all mm -hmm. these ingredients. And they all have a slightly, they all come in a range. And, you know, together as a whole, they make a system that covers you from, you know, the entire UV, mm -hmm. UV range, give you that protection. Mm -hmm. um, the difficult ones, obviously, are the ones that extend into the UVA range. Mm -hmm. But I, of the ones, so they use a very common set of chemical filters. I, like, don't recall a single one of them that so carefully excludes the wavelength <laughs> that they claim that their product excludes. So I'm just like, I have a lot of questions. And to Victoria's point, I just would not really trust this yet. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Actually, that is a really good point. We formulate with these guys often. Time, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, and But in another camp, it's also, I no, I don't even want to say that. No, you're absolutely right. Lots of questions all around. <laughs> so, interesting topic, and good luck to you. And, uh, yeah, let's. Uh, the takeaway from here is 
you need both UVA and UVB protection. Do not listen to this graph. That is the main takeaway. I saw the graph. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> literally my reaction. <laughs> 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 corner thank you for your submission um keep sending them our way this is a great find and a really good just general lesson for all of us on this topic so all right now it's time to talk about some actual sunscreen products um and before that we have another review yay you guys love this so much Um, (laughs) so we're just gonna give some tips on when you're shopping Mm mm-hmm what to look for. So, Gloria, take it away. Yeah, first things first, um, we also recommend choosing your system first. Mm-hmm. We talked about the difference between mineral and chemical, and now there's a lot of, there are a lot of hybrid systems out now. Now, mineral for me is a little problematic. It's often positioned, and it's, it is considered a little bit more gentle for, mm-hmm. um, so people with sensitive skin, mm-hmm. a lot of derms will point you to mineral sunscreen. My problem is with sunscreen is that First of all, mineral formulas, I have not came across one that I love. Like ever. Texturally. Texturally. Mm-hmm. Can agree. And most have a cast. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and it's just it's just not something I it's just not something that promotes really good sun habits. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think for most people really reach for chemical because chemical you there's a diverse range of textures. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can work with and you're you can find something you like. Now if for whatever reason you're not super keen on high levels of chemical filters, we're not gonna get into it in this it does episode. Happen. That's yes. true. There are some that just their skin type just doesn't work well with chemicals. They are like very polar oils. Like yes. sometimes like skin just tolerate doesn't tolerate and that's just the way of skin. Yep. Um that's now on the market we see a lot of hybrid systems. Mm-hmm. Um they get away with not using the coral controversial um filters, but at the same time they can lessen the amount of mineral sunscreen they use. Mm-hmm. So those might be interesting to look into. We're gonna get a few and we're gonna put it to the test and we'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Um but yeah, choose your system. We always say Texture is more important, but if you're sensitized by any of the filters, that's when you are get more selective with the um, the filter system. For sure. I have also wanted to say that um, I have found really, uh, I was going to say really light fluids mm-hmm. um, can sometimes be hit or miss with that texture. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of straying from the general like mineral chemical category, but um, sometimes when they... Uh, label it as dry fluid I have found that to be very very polarizing for users some love that it's dry it's instantly dry it really feels like skin is they're trying to give you that clean feel so that maybe you're out or you're layering or any of that um, it just doesn't add too much weight but others I don't know Glory feel like this where dry fluids can feel super drying almost to the point that it just feels like you have this Skin is somehow like is a dry patch now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, some of them do make me feel a little dry. Mm. But my big problem is actually I don't know if I missed a spot. Mm. <laughs> there are ones that's so thin that it's just you know, they have a very signature. A lot of them use silicone or silicone esque type of fluid, so it's very light, it has a signature finger feel. I think of the La Roche Posay SPF mm-hmm. fifty sixty fluid. Yeah. yeah, and I a lot of sunscreen sprays sometimes have that feeling too. 
you. And for me, it's like, oh, okay, I like the lightness, but it's so like, it, it's so not substantial that I'm like, it dries ah, so, so quick. Yeah, I'm like, am I running out of real estate? <laughs> I took a, um, so Biore, who we like, um, their Aqua Reach is a staple we often mm. recommend. We bought the, the, they have a red bottle called mm-hmm. Ethlism. Yeah. And it's like really hardcore, like yeah. outdoors, water resistance, sweat yeah. resistance, like PA, blah, 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 to the moon type of um, <laughs> sunscreen. I bought it and I'll tell you it. Actual claim, PA yes. to the moon. I tell you what, it works super duper well. I went to the beach with it, I went hiking with it. I didn't even get tan. Yeah. And, and I, I'm guilty of sometimes forgetting to reapply. Mm-hmm. So for me to not get tan, it's it's a really powerful sunscreen. But my problem is always I'm like, am I a, I'm like, it's very powdery, it's very light, and I just Did never I know. here? Well, maybe it's over here. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah. Good call. Um, all right, so we've gone off tangent. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, so you're going to decide between mineral, chemical, and maybe hybrid. Um, then after that, you're going to look for your SPF value, um, your broad spectrum, your PA++++. To the moon! To the moon! It's a theme <laughs> on this episode, PA to the moon! <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I would say price point, um, mm-hmm. just because I, we're starting to see sunscreen prices uh, exponentially increase yes. to the moon. To the moon. And uh, it's kind of concerning because... Um, it's definitely a product that we want everyone to use. Um, skin cancer isn't a joke. Sunburn are not, are not a joke. And so with that, um, making that price point too high, I don't really agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we mentioned it on the podcast and in, 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 on Instagram a few times before. Victoria's favorite, one of her favorite sunscreen texture is the, the Murad City Defense. A beautiful mineral. It's the only the mineral only one. Even nice. I will use it. Yeah. But it's sixty bucks. Yeah. So it's we, not sustainable. I actually don't even use it. <laughs> I don't use it anymore. So when you're like, oh my god, that's ten dollars <laughs> You're probably not going to give the two three finger rule like yeah. a serious girl. Yeah. That's the reality true. of it. Um for me, uh this this I have a confession. Um, we Go worked on. with Stripectin on their vitamin C mm. sunscreen before. Mm-hmm. And that one I genuinely like. I like their texture. It's positions a moisturizer. And I will say it for moisturizing sunscreen actually really holds up pretty well mm. to when I'm active. Yeah. Cause it's I don't, yeah, I don't get the burn when I go hiking with it. Yeah. Um, even though it's like a, a nice enough texture to be a daily mm-hmm. sunscreen, so I do like it a lot. And um, we got our PR sample for it, and we we're like, I was like, oh, I like it, and I actually finished it. And then I was like, well, you know what? Let me buy buy my own bottle. I looked up the price. I was like, ooh, uh, yeah. So uh, listen, very nice strike back then, PR lady. <laughs> Y'all got any more in your warehouse? So, yes, price point is a very real thing, especially yeah. it's something you want to use every day, yeah. not in a stingy way. Yeah, yeah, that's a <laughs> We're not cheap. We're not. We're, we're totally we're not. not. Cheap um, all right, cool. Let's talk about a few recent launches, and we'll also hint at a few that we are planning to try out. Um, first things first, Paracone's hypoallergenic CBD ultra lightweight calming SPF 35 
my paracos on the s the seo game <clears throat> i have a really stupid thing to nitpick on for them all right i think the bottle's ugly <laughs> <laughs> So you, you didn't like that they took inspiration from Avino? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, if I'm spending $59, spoiler alert, this is $59. And then I'm like, I, 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 then I deserve a nicer bottle. I'm sorry, Paracone. That was my that was my first doll. I was like, man, that's a generic looking sunscreen bottle. I think the tough thing is like, again, we just talked about Murad's SPF mm-hmm. 50, beautiful mineral texture, and that's 60 bucks. And for me, the tough thing is Paracones is an SPF 35 for 59. I'm like, that's really hard for me to yeah. purchase. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so it's formulated with CBD, which I thought it is an ingredient that has fallen off the tre- trend train and died. Wait. Uh, just. <laughs> I'm you know what's funny is I totally see this product as one that like wanted to hop on the CBD train. But sunscreens take a long time to formulate and do right. So credit to Paracone to go through all the testing. And then they're like, well, it's done now. And the CBT train has departed. They're like, wait, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Please. Well, I think that's why they had to like make the name really long to try mm. to catch on the other stuff. Lightweight, calming, hypoallergenic. Like, all right, the CBD might have left. Let's see if we can hit these other yep, things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. If I if we hit too close to home, dear marketing people, Paracone, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we feel for you guys is what we're saying. Yes. All right. Anyways. But uh, yes, this is a zinc-only filter system with 15.45% zinc oxide. Mm-hmm. Um, the formula is, I read it as, it's pretty pretty standard it's a lot of it's zinc oxide with a lot of very very lightweight oil then prime uh, the primary lightweight oils are isododecane and Mm -hmm. cap cap triglyceride Mm -hmm. um i would say this probably can function as a pretty solid daily moisturizer as well um again we haven't trialed this um but we will (laughs) yes and i think the thing to keep in mind is um I think sunscreens is definitely one where people feel like I need to get as much protection as possible. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely make a case for lower SPFs, um, especially for people with, let's say, really struggling with white casts, um, people that are really struggling with just general, I guess, sunscreen aesthetics, or even um, they find that the higher SPFs cause that their skin a lot of irritation breakouts anything like that so um i would say that honestly the hybrid spf 30 category um yeah i i think it's definitely i fit that in yeah and this product's position is lightweight and mm-hmm. it does use a lot of light oil mm-hmm. um this is something super nitpicky and no one will give a crap about but they uh they use a stabilizer a hectorite based stabilizer and hectorite is a type of clay and this is really stupid but i have dry skin and i hate hectorite (laughs) (laughs) oh my god just giving giving this product shit for very stupid personal reasons but it could be at a little amount it is a very low on the list (laughs) 
<laughs> but anything with high levels of hectoramic. She's already hissing. Okay. All right. Good call out. Um, but yeah, um, definitely one to trial for texture or if like an all-in-one type of product. Um, let's move on to the next launch. This one has definitely made a bigger splash in social media. Um, it's Glow Recipes Watermelon Glow Niacinamide SPF 50. Yeah. All right. Well, this one is um, a hybrid system. Yes. One of the ones we talked about. And this one is a hybrid system, yes. uh, like we talked about. It combines zinc oxide, 12.1% of it, with um, with chemical filters. Mm-hmm. I want to add that the first thing that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit, I'm like, that is a lot of chemical with a lot of physical. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So the the total um, sunscreen load is 16, 21. It's like 30 some odd percent. And that's, that's yes, you you, want, you do need a decently high load, but to me, I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty darn high. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's you know i like we said before um hybrids seem to be a thing this year um definitely something to look out for as i'll be honest as formulators that's not quite as common um and so we'll definitely be trialing out the hybrids um it could be a better compromise of texture and protection but who knows you you you, won't know yeah you'll see a mineral only sunscreen with 12% zinc oxide, which mm-hmm. to me is like, that's why I was kind of like, huh. Um, yeah. I also want to say that because they call out niacinamide, yep. and niacinamide is chilling in the in the purgatory oh, yeah. part of the aisle. <laughs> it's there. It's there. Uh, Probably not too much, so I wouldn't worry too much. I about. just would say I wouldn't be concerned about overlaying niacinamide with this product. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the other one that we plan to trial. And then we wanted to call out a couple other ones. We know Tatcha just launched their SPF 50. Um, that one is a mineral. Um, mm. Also, Supergoop has their new Every Single Face SPF 50. Um, that one has a 40-minute water resistance, um, as well as Shishado has their SPF 42 with 40-minute water resistance. I have a bone to pick with Shiseido. Oh. So I think Shiseido makes some really awesome sunscreen textures. Okay. They have they have a bunch of different brands under their umbrella. I'm curious to see where this is going. So in Asia, Anessa is like one of their like, yeah. um, there's flagship sunscreen brands. There's a bunch of different options you can have. I feel like people are like, people love Shiseido because it's it's light. They do a really good job with, um, texture. Very, with texture. And I feel like recently it's gone to their head. I'm like, they're like, light can be lighter. And the <laughs> recent ones I've tried are super, super drying on yes. me because it has that powdery finish, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But for me, like after a few hours, because it stays really well yes. too. Yeah. So after an hour or two, that powdery feeling to me, I'm like, ah, I'm are you Are you talking about the sports fluid? Yes. Oh, okay. It's not that bad. So for me, it sits in a weird spot because it is very powdery, but it's nice enough for me to wear it. But by hour three, I'm like, oh my god, my skin hates me. Moisture. Me skin is parched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, if you guys haven't tried that one, the tint on that is incredible. High coverage. Yeah. yeah, If you want to talk about a multi-functioning foundation and sunscreen protection, um, it's very good. But 
I totally agree with you. I think like by the third, I don't know if it's the water resistance is just so good, but I'm like, wow, even through sweat, yeah, like your skin stays really dry. Um, but I did, even though you have that bone to pick with them, I would say Shiseido is probably that one brand that's kind of, I feel like it's a little underrated. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Everyone talks about all of these other brands and they've actually been around for so long and they have like a really big library of textures as well um we will definitely look into la roche posay because their library is quite big as well but um yeah i just feel like shishado is the one that's like kind of been people yeah. sleeping on i think the their classic uh is it anessa when they first came out i still remember in asia they're also one of the first brands at least in my memories yeah. when i was in school they're the first brand that championed like the sporty girl look because yeah. I, I think in asia the um the beauty standards more yeah. like delicate they're pretty pale yeah. they're like you know like wallflowery yeah but um they're one of the first brands that championed that like badass like surfer girl like really toned getting out pool look yeah. way back in the early like yeah anyway yeah definitely a little underappreciated yeah and the other thing I kind of like intimidated by it is the fact that Tasha's SPF 50 is also, I believe it's like $60. And it's just that the new standard. Yeah, now? <laughs> it feels like people are like pushing up the price point of sunscreen, which is like the last thing we want to happen. Um, so, yeah, not, not a fan of that trajectory. Um, otherwise, yeah, so look to more episodes coming out on sunscreen, especially as more launches come out. Look to our testing where we get to share with you all the, you know, one hour workouts, two hour workouts that we do. Two hour workouts? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> We're like, Wait a second. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Sign up for this. Um, yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, that is really the meat for today. Yay. We're done. Okay. It's time to break it up break break it up break 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 it up mom Victoria's single wing move woo hooray oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> a fruit ninja <laughs> alright oh today is my turn yeah and we are talking about the Sika deer oh yeah give it the Latin me. name is Sirbus Nippon <laughs> bless you <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wasn't right but um, this is the type of deer that's found in Asia. It's okay. over Asia. Um, most of it originated from Japan. Mm. Here's the Nippon in its name. Mm. Um, so it's kind of interesting because, fun fact, I've always, I always thought of that kind of deer as deer because I spent a chunk of my childhood in Asia. Mm-hmm. The reason why this deer is special is because it's one of the few species where the spots on their back actually stays through adulthood. Like, they Aww. retain, they always have that spot. Cute. Um, it's cute. Spots. I still remember um, when I moved to the States, we had an assignment where we had to draw deer. So I drew deer with spots. And you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's the spots on the deer. And they're like, deer don't have spots. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> But anyway, it's a special yeah, to the Asian Yeah, because this is America, America. everything we know is right and law. Yeah, deer <laughs> are huge and they are gray. I'm like, okay. 
So um, anyway, when I was looking it up, it's actually kind of interesting because this uh, this breed of deer is actually considered a bit of an invasive species. Uh-huh. They there's a gazillion subspecies. You can find them actually in Maryland and Texas. Oh. They're all over Europe, and mm-hmm. they all like develop subspecies of their own. They didn't say it in the article, but I'm pretty sure it's because they just went humping whichever deer they find, <laughs> <laughs> whatever local deer they can find. They're like, "Hello, nice to meet you. All right." <laughs> They just, they don't see species. Good on them. Yeah, equal <laughs> opportunity loving kind of deer. Yeah, I love it. I also, when I was looking up this deer, looking for fun facts and stuff, I read a line that's like, oh, you know, fun fact, a Sika deer is actually not considered a deer. It's an elk. So I was like, oh, what makes it different? What what, what classifies it as, as an elk? So I Googled it. I'm glad you asked. I still don't know what the Wait, difference is. So we don't know. We, we don't know what the difference between between elk and the Sika deer or just elk and deer? Because now I have existential questions. Yeah, so when you look up, dear Google, what is the difference between elk and deer? I'll give you like a bunch of things that's defined by what you commonly think of as elk, right? Like the most prominent species of like a big ass deer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then no, that's actually, okay, big ass deer might not be the line they use, but the actual first qualification they write is Big ass deer. Elk tend to be bigger than deer. Okay. And then my, uh, excuse me, Mr. Elba, but the Sika deer is very small. <laughs> and they'll talk about how, like, but and, and they all classify based on, like, uh, like, say, North America. Like, oh, deer is more like, you know, ground level deer and elk live in mountains. <laughs> mountains. Yeah, they, they oh. talk about their, their ecosystem, their environment, and, like, their hoof shape and stuff like that. But they're referring to very specific species of elk and deer. So when I ask the question, why is, I I have it in my Google history, why is Sika an elk? It wouldn't tell me. (laughs) It just keeps regurgitating lines up like, Sika is actually an elk. And remember their Latin name, Cervus Nippon? So I looked up Cervus, the family, I went down a rabbit hole. And they actually called the Cervus, Cervus, whatever, that family name. It's actually, the family name is True Deer. (laughs) I'm like, are you a deer or not? I don't know. Who are you? What do you want? Yeah, so... My conclusion, my, my conclusion from my research, and please, if any of you is a specialist in this field, please let me know, yeah. um, is actually because people actually have trouble differentiating between these like, deer-esque species for a really long time. Yeah. So some of these work have been redone. Like also because the Sika deer have been busy. Exactly. <laughs> so the genealogy, like obviously genetics haven't been, uh, didn't get really good until like the 90s mm-hmm. and 2000s. So some of these... Uh, deer species that's been put in the same family before after they did genetic testing they realized oh they're not that closely related therefore you have confusing lines lines like sika deers and elk and you can't tell i can't i couldn't figure out why but anyway moving on got it so sign up all the deer for 23 and me is what needs to happen correct and you will know sika deer have been around town Um, but anyway, locally, they are found in, in China, Japan, mm-hmm. uh, all over Asia, really. Mm-hmm. The Chinese subspecies have much like more pronounced spotting. Oh, okay. So the Japanese ones actually have really faint spots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, actually, when I was in Japan, I don't remember any of them having spots. Oh, okay. Um, so in Japan, probably the most notable 
deer sanctuary type area uh, you can think of is is Nara. Yep. Uh, Nara in Japan, if you've never been, you have to go. It is magical. Yeah. They're just deer walking the streets. They're all pretty well managed. And you can buy these crackers called... Are they the one that's about all the time? Yes. Okay. So uh, they're called... Uh, the crackers are called uh, Sika Senbei. Um, they're literally a stack of cookies that you can feed the deer, and they all know you have them. <laughs> uh, and what, what exactly what Victoria said, they're also called, the Nara subspecies is called the bowing deer, mm. because like, you'll see cutesy videos of them coming up to you bowing, and then the tourists will feed them a senbei, mm. and they go off happy. I have been to Nara twice, and I can tell you that is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> us- wait, wait, so they don't bow. So they sometimes bow. Oh, okay. But as you bow, there's three more behind you trying to like get into your like <laughs> to your cracker stabs. Like they don't care. I have I a video, and maybe I'll gify and post it here. But yes. of me being chased by the deer because <laughs> they are That's like terrifying. you, you got the goods, and they know you have the goods because they can smell those crackers from a mile away. Oh and um, what's also interesting is I'll read this direct this quote directly from the uh, wiki article on Nara Park. Says, <clears throat> however, deer typically bow heads to signal signal that they're about to headbutt. Therefore, oh. <laughs> if an our deer bows to you, when the human bows to your deer, the deer may take it as a challenge and will assume the same stance before charging and attempting to headbutt the person. But you nullify <laughs> it with a cookie, right? Yes, it, That's why you have the cookie. It's a life. It's a yeah. life. Glory, you said senbei. <laughs> Please take it as a peace offering. <laughs> Yeah, but Nara is really adorable. It's really cute. Yeah. The I don't know, you know the funny things when I was there. The thing I noticed is none of the deer are overweight. Hmm. So I think they do a pretty good job like balancing like how much senbei they're okay. supposed to sell yeah, every day. Really yeah, and so it's not a petting zoo. No, no, no. Yeah. They're pretty chill. You can pet them, and they're just kind of and the deer kind of gives you this like. Mm-hmm. I'm just here for a cookie. That doesn't even touch me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look, they, they, it's an interesting place. I think it's really well run. They do a good balance of it. Um, but then, anyway, it brings me to the real reason why I wanted to Oh, there's to an actual... <laughs> oh, it's not just about the Sika deer. Yes. Well, okay. the Sika deer is over Asia. I spent a chunk of my childhood in Taiwan. It, there's also a subspecies in Taiwan. Um, their their dots are somewhere between the the um, Japanese subspecies and Chinese subspecies. They their dots are pr- uh, visible, mm-hmm. but um, not as pronounced as the Chinese ones. Okay. And they're also very they're pretty petite because okay. Taiwan's like mountainous and difficult i guess okay. yeah so they're really put they're almost they have to like, work out yes it's almost <laughs> like a pig, pygmy deer okay. um they're really yeah, adorable cute. it's a specialty and recently um they've been working on this for a long time okay. but in Taitong, which is on the east side of the island they opened up a deer park recently they're like you know what with COVID, you can't travel internationally, so we will bring Nara to home. So let's open up our deer park. And they open it up and they unveil the entrance, and it's two giraffes. <laughs> Oh, it's actually two it's giraffes. Actually two giraffes. We're like, looking at the yeah, picture now. Yeah, they're like, yeah. <laughs> the deer park. So in Chinese, giraffe, the ending character like the the it's it's also it's the same character as the deer it's basically it's uh it's called neck deer in chinese quite literally if you translate the characters so everyone's like um 
excuse me, I think you got the wrong deer at the entrance. <laughs> Mr. Elbow. Mr. Elbow. <laughs> you know, people are going to, if they didn't watch the last episode, they're going to be like, why do they keep talking about Mr. Elbow? <laughs> Please listen to episode four. Yeah. For the reference. It's an inside joke. Yes. If you listen, you'll get it. Exactly. <laughs> but, um... We're looking at two very alarmingly large <laughs> giraffe statues. Um, For this these gear giraffe statues look like they had a great night. <laughs> Too Might good be night. cracked out of their mind <laughs> with their mouths gaping open, towering over these humans. Yeah. Uh, I would say that <laughs> I would say that the uh, project brief may not have been accurately <laughs> executed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I laughed good. a hearty laugh in it because I saw I was uh, my parents was telling me about how like oh next time next time you come back there are new places to take you to blah 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 and they sent me to this park and I was like. Giraffe park. What? What? There's a giraffe park in Taiwan. (laughs) I saw my. Oh, this is like misleading. Isn't that false? Yeah, it is false advertising. Yeah, it's a FTC. Hello, hello. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I had a hearty laugh. I'll post pictures of the actual deer and the giraffe gate. And the and the funniest thing is they interviewed the mayor of the local town. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's like a artistic expression thing. <laughs> oh, he tried. And we were like, it's a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that was, that's Pretty that's good. a real reason why I want to talk about the secret yeah, deer. Yeah, the secret deer. Super cute. Yeah. Uh, super derpy park, which I guess makes a lot of sense. Yep. All right, cool. Um... All right, I guess uh, we're gonna wrap this up yep. with some last Q and A. Uh, first question uh, comes from Rachel: Can you cover the data behind Altrino and how it is different from regular tretinoin versus double play? Uh, Great yeah. question. Altrino sells tretinoin. Mm-hmm. Tretinoin is the ingredient name. So when you say how is it different from regular tretinoin, I think you're asking how is it different from other prescription tretinoin, like. Retin A is like the mm. old, like most classic one. Yeah. yeah, and now you can get different formulas on telemed too. Mm. And all these telemeds, sometimes they sell like a retin A, but sometimes they also sell their own formulas mm-hmm. of tretinoin. Um, one of the biggest draws to Altrino is that they are supposed to be more gentle. It's mm. formulation based. Okay. Um, their clinical study claims that only 1% reported skin irritation. And that's a. Is there a concentration that came with that? Point zero five. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's not bad. Yeah. So that is like the biggest. Like, wow, that's pretty impressive for Trent Nolan. Um, other than that, in terms of efficacy, it should be pretty on par with all the other Trent Nolans. Mm-hmm. The reality is, um, all the different t- formulas that you can get, um, there are different ways to do it. Like, mm-hmm. um, because it's a prescription drug, you're all supposed to test it for efficacy, mm-hmm. stability, and um. Different formulators might pack it with different soothers or other many penetration enhancers to give it different effects. But ultimately, I would say it seems like that skin irritation data is the biggest draw to the Altrino formula. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of efficacy, I wouldn't expect anything super different than other tretinoin. Yeah. And uh, if you're asking about uh, Altrino versus double play, uh, it's different because it's a, play, it's a deer versus a giraffe. Yeah, it's not a deer and elk situation. It's a deer and giraffe situation. <laughs> yeah, so um, in double play, we use encapsulated retinol. 
Um, you would say it's one step removed from tretinoin, retinoic acid. Um, so uh, the concentration is actually different. Um, and in ours, we use 0.5% retinol. Um, so definitely wouldn't consider it on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. If you are used to tretinoin formulas, we'd say we recommend you to stick to that. Um, but if you are looking for a retinol formula, you can consider ours. Yes. Um, all right. And then last question. How do you exfoliate without irritating the skin? Oh, great Carefully. question. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> um, I think, I feel like when people ask us this question, yeah. they're two very, they come from two very extreme ends of the spectrum. I think that's a good point, yeah. Uh, we have people who are like, they've never used a true chemical exfoliant before. Mm, they or... maybe only used a light physical exfoliant mm. or one of those like light gels that ball up type of exfoliant mm -hmm. um and then we have people that have been burned by chemical exfoliant yeah. and then they ask these questions yeah um so depending on your experience level mm -hmm. we recommend starting low and slow um, <laughs> and how just, low how slow Gloria? <laughs> oh, well, what a great question um so for most normal skin type i actually think the the best starting point is just low levels of glycolic acid Five to eight percent glycolic acid can be used daily. You just start out using it every other night mm -hmm. and see how your skin goes. Give it some time because overexfoliation doesn't come up right away. Mm -hmm. And the signs you're looking for in terms of overexfoliation is to me the telltale sign is neither redness or stain. It's like elevated sensitivity to products that typically don't sensitize you. At least like that's how cleansing. it comes out for me. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, you can use an oil cleanser and it pinches just a little bit it's like oh that's not good yeah that is that is not good no. yeah um so those are the signs to look for mm -hmm. you bump it up to everyday usage i will say most skin uh, most normal skin can tolerate it pretty well um and there's nothing wrong with sticking to that level yeah especially if you're on other actives yes um but if you're trying to level up I think, I don't know why was I drawing a blank of words when that come up. <clears throat> so that's how you start. I'm just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so I would say up to 10 to 12% is probably the max threshold you should target for daily usage. For glycolic. For glycolic acid. And to level up, um, just go for like a home peel. And those can be used about once a week or once every two weeks. Those are all fine. And again, keep looking, uh, keep on the lookout for signs like increased elevated sensitivity, uh, increased dryness. Now that's glycolic and that's for most normal skin with no previous chemical exfoliation experience. See our product gold standard for inspiration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are very, very wary and you have a history of uh, your skin being a little bit more sensitive, mm -hmm. start in the lactic or mandelic kind of realm. Yeah. Those are bigger molecules. They will still work, but they're much, much more gentle. In fact, lactic acid is kind of our go-to for if you are sensitive and a little bit on the dry side yep because low levels of lactic can also be a hydrator yeah Whew, and then you bump it out from there yeah that's the long and short of it and i was just gonna add like you know with bigger molecules you might need a little more so with mm -hmm. lactic you know starting out eight percent is generally a good range versus like a clotic glycolics five mandalic you it's actually bigger than lactic so you know you definitely need a little bit more um and 
I just want to add in my personal anecdote, you know, if you are used to a lot of high-level acne topicals, um, those tend to work a little bit better um, just in terms of managing any sort of additional side effects if you're already dealing with dryness, redness, stinging, all of that. Um, that's probably a better route to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that's helpful. If not, check out the blog, write to us, read the book. There's so many, we've got so many references for you. We got you. So yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, as usual, you know where to find us. <laughs> <laughs> where can they find us, Gloria? You can find us on our website at chemistconfessions.com. Um, leave a comment on the YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Write to us at info at chemistconfessions.com. And yeah, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Let, let us know what you want to talk about next time. We are recording this slightly early, which means we'll have a little bit of gap between this and the next um, and the next script. So yeah. definitely let us know what you want us to talk about. Yeah, and we can't wait to start doing all those sunscreen studies. So yeah, you'll hear from us soon. But otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening this time. We will see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.